When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the new and improved Cup of Cubby Blue, proudly affiliated with the Fans First Sports Network, where you are hopefully already signed up for a ton of great Cubs content. We're pretty stoked about it. And if you were already subscribed, you should still be subscribed. But if you aren't subscribed for some reason, give us a follow. Also, if you could leave us a five-star review and a rating, it will help other people find the network and the show. We are going to have a lot of great Cubs coverage this year. And if you're already subscribed, you have seen Sun Ranto, Cubs Pod, Cup of Cubby Blue, and more on this network, and we are thrilled to be bringing it to you all year long, Uh, all the Cubs news updates and banter you could imagine. I'm Sarah Sanchez. I write about the new players I'm keeping an eye on in in and around the NL Central and more for Bleed Cubby Blue. And as always, I am joined by the one and only Danny Rocket. How's it going, Danny? It's going pretty well for a Monday. Had a nice uh, weekend. Spent a fair amount of it in the Wrigley Field bleachers, so that's always a good feeling, especially when the weather has finally turned here in Chicago, and it's, I don't know, it's beautiful outside, so besides being Monday, what's not to love? Yeah, I'm with you, and you know, it's kind of a holiday Monday, so it's not even like a Monday that you feel terrible about. Like, Easter Monday is one of those Mondays that feels like you might get some stuff done, like we're recording the pod, we're doing some other stuff, but... It's also kind of still a break. <laughs> um, not for me. Nothing has changed for me. My work does not reg- uh, does not register Easter, does not care. Um, so n- nothing has changed for me. I've got a doctor's appointment on Easter Monday. I've got a first rehearsal. I'm actually, I have one of the busier days of the week today on Easter Monday, and I'm fitting this podcast in to a very busy day. So the, I don't know. It's, Maybe we need some good old time religion coming back into our lives so that Easter <laughs> Monday is actually a day off. But okay, but well, hey, I'm happy to for be myself because it's a little bit, it's a little low key over here. It was wonderful seeing you and your family and the bleachers this weekend, though. As Danny mentioned, the weather was great at Wrigley, the baseball was pretty good too. Um, some of it anyway. We'll, we'll jump right into it before we do. After that Rangers series, which was the first series win for the Cubs this season. The Cubs are exactly 500. They are four and four, squarely third in the division. Their Pythag odds of making the playoffs are 27%. Fangraphs is way less optimistic, giving them a 14.1% chance to make the playoffs. Danny, what, is, what do your prognostications say about the Cubs' chances this season based on what you've seen so far? Well, just because I pay money to go into Wrigley Field and cheer on the Cubs, my my Pythag and my fan graphs are more optimistic. And that's only because it's just April. And, you know, sitting there with my mom in the sun and everything, you know, she never gives up hope, even down eight to two in the ninth inning. 
you know, we sat through the end of the game. We're not leaving this ball game because we think that maybe they could come back. We know it's not likely, like, just like I know it's not likely the Cubs are going to win the World Series this year. Like, nobody's picking them. But it's April, and I'm not – April 10th, not even late April. And I'm not ready to give up that – not ready to give up, like, fan graphs is getting ready to give up on us. Um, You know, it's – I'm seeing – good things out of some parts of this team. And, you know, you look at Stroman starts of the year, just fired up, makes you excited, makes you think we can win the World Series, where he's clapping his hands and, you know, strutting all around the mound and not giving up any runs, makes you think we have an ace in a way, you know. Um, the way Steele's shoving it, even though he had some walks in this last night, makes you feel good. And then... All of a sudden, it's a different team, and Nick Madrigal's playing third, and Mancini's in right, and you're like, oh, well, this isn't very good at all. This is just like last year, <laughs> you know? Or So it's yeah. a tale of two teams in a way, you know? Sometimes you can feel like they really would have it put together, you know? Dansby Swanson off to just a rip-roaring start, you know? And then... You know, then there's everything else. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna get into everything else uh, as this show goes on. Let's start with game one though. Game one was great. Uh, Friday afternoon in the bleachers, uh, Strowman wins again. Still not giving up any runs. Two zero exactly as Jed Hoyer drew it up. Both of Strowman's starts have been low scoring affairs where the pitching has been excellent, the defense has been stellar. Uh, the Cubs have put up a few runs on the board and they have gotten the win out of it. In this one, Fulmer got a two inning save. Nathan Ivaldi was pretty good pitching for the Rangers, but the Cubs' bats were just a bit better. Cody Bellinger had an RBI single in the fourth. Ian Happ had an RBI double in the sixth, and that was the only scoring they would need to win this one two to nothing. I thought this was a platonic ideal of a Friday afternoon game in the bleachers. Danny, what did you think? It was real short. I'll tell you that much. It was two hours, 17 minutes. I went to this one with my sister and her wife and had, and you were there, a bunch of, a bunch of our friends were around and, you know, just kind of settled into the game and then it was over. <laughs> it's kind of how it felt. Um, yeah. I mean, only six hits for the Cubs, but they made them count. And, um, you know, they're still not hitting the ball out of the ballpark. And, and uh, I don't think they're really expected to, we were all wondering where the pop was going to come on this team. And apparently it comes from Patrick Wisdom, who doesn't even play. So, um, you know, it it was just a little bit, I don't know, this game felt really fast to me. Um, and there, not a lot happened in it. So it wouldn't make sense that it felt fast. Um, just tight baseball. I mean, you got to hand it to Stroman. Uh, I, I really just love the start to his year. Two hits he only allowed. I did have three walks, six strikeouts in six innings, and... Man, Fulmer, you, you look at that situation and, uh, you know, I didn't know he was he was a guy that was expected to go to. Yeah, I was really surprised to see Michael Fulmer go two innings there. I, I actually wondered if maybe they were mixing something up and going to bring Boxberger in in the ninth or something. And nope, they just decided he could get two innings of work that day. And I was like, OK, seems a little early for that. But if Fulmer is stretched out enough to do that, why not? Why not let him have a two inning save there? I do wonder what that would have meant if game two had been close and they needed Michael Fulmer in that game, which ultimately didn't matter, but it did have me wondering a bit. Let's talk about game two. The Cubs kind of teed off against Martin Perez in this one. He pitched five innings, gave up five hits, three runs. Two of those were earned. There were so 
many errors in this game. The Rangers had five errors in this game. Uh, of the 10 runs that the Cubs put on the board, only seven of them were earned. And they would have won no matter what. But five errors, is, that's a lot of errors for a Major League Baseball team. I, I just cannot. Um, it's a good thing, too, because I don't know, man. There were a lot of walks from Cubs pitching in this game. Justin Steele had four walks across six innings. Keegan Thompson came in for an inning. He gave up two walks. It really felt like the Cubs got kind of lucky that the walks didn't hurt them more. Yeah, well, I mean, it wasn't even th that much of a blowout until later in the games. I mean, this thing was three to one and then five to two, you know, and then it was in the eighth inning that they really kind of put the game away and went up, up to 10. But yeah, those five errors. Oh, my God. Like that was, I was, I thought the Rangers and I, I didn't, I knew they were a pretty good hitting team. I didn't realize like how inept they were at fielding because I, I don't think, I mean, how many times in a year? I don't even, did the Cubs even have a five error? Did they have a five error game last year? And that was a bad team. <laughs> I'm sure they did. I, I mean, I, I have not gone back to look, but it's five rare, errors is at the upper limit of what you would expect from any major league club, whether they are good or bad. <laughs> it's yeah, it's pretty rare. Um, and I really liked what I saw from D Justin Steele. I got to meet Justin uh, at Club 400 on Thursday, last Thursday night. And super nice guy hung out with his brother, his older brother who uh, claims to be the troublemaking brother. And after hanging out with him, I think I believe him. Um, and his dad, uh, Justin's dad, was there hanging out, had some beers with him. Very cool dudes. You know, Justin is a really down-to-earth guy, a little mild-mannered, and um, except for when he gets on the ball field. And then he is really quite the competitor. And you can tell – he said he had a – he said he had a competitive edge to who he was. His mom was there too, by the way. And she was laughing when he was saying things like that because obviously he was a – stubborn difficult child um and it's just funny because when you see these guys parents and you hear about them from their brother and stuff and then you then you meet him then you then you see that stuff on the ball field as well you know you see that kind of competitive edge and hey you know no harm no foul i mean i know the walks were there for for justin the strikeouts weren't there for Justin, um, but he may, he battled through six innings and only gave up the one run on the four hits. So, like, you know, getting in and out of trouble, that's, I mean, that's that's what you got to do. I mean, it, he's not going to be, like, you know, lights out every pitch, full effort at 98. Like, that's not who he is. So, he's going to be playing a little trick ball with you. The slider, the curveball. Like he loves spinning it up there. He talked about that on Thursday night too, that he's always been super comfortable with that. And I think he embraces his leftiness in that way. And um, I'm real excited for Justin. Uh, you know, he, some of those metrics about the top ERAs over the last pretty much year, he's right up on the top of that list. Cause he had a strong, strong second half. Um, I'm excited about having him. I mean, may, he could end up, Somebody called him a Cy, a future Cy Young Award winner, and I got a little excited about that. You know, I'm like, hey, you never know. You just never know because he he's a student of the game. He he goes out and watches all the other starters pitch. He's always trying to learn something, and he's still what is he 27? Oh, I don't have that up in front of me. I Let think me he's only that. 27. So we're looking at a situation where 
and I think within the next couple years, you could see just one of the I'm hopeful that we're we're getting a top end of the rotation. I mean, he already is by default, but like, you know, that seriously, he would be part of your one-two punch of the future. He is indeed 27, and I'm a pretty big fan of Justin Steele, too. I'm here for him continuing to take steps forward and really anchor this Cubs rotation for years to come. I really feel like, though, for all of the great production the Cubs are getting from Stroman and Steele, at the moment, the back end of the rotation has not come through in the same way. And I'm, I'm hoping it's just small sample size noise and that things are going to clear up uh, with this next series that we're going to preview after the break. So you'll want to stick around for that. In game three, the Rangers really teed off on Jamison Tyon. And look, it was like a 70 degree day with the wind blowing out to left at Wrigley. So I don't know how much of this is on Tyon and how much of this is just on the weather creating circumstances where it's going to be an offensive type of day. At Wrigley, there were two Cubs airs in this one. You mentioned Nick Madrigal having some struggles at third base. And, like, I, I just cannot with the Nick Madrigal third base experiment. There are so many times he makes plays over there where you can see that he's not making a traditional third baseman play. He's always throwing to second rather than throwing across the diamond if he has the opportunity to. He's, like, crow hopping on the throw because he doesn't have the momentum to just throw across uh from third base like a normal third baseman does. But it was not just Nick Madrigal here. It was also right field where you have this combination of, I think it was um, uh, Master Boney or Trey Mancini and Patrick Wisdom. Like, I don't remember. I should pull out my scorecard, actually, to well, see exactly. Well, both of them were out there. I mean, yeah. It, it Well, Mancini started the game, and I thought did a pretty poor job at diving for that baseball that, maybe the game doesn't get blown open totally. at that point. And as far as Nick Madrigal goes, you know, he was, he's basically was too short to tag that guy. His arms just simply weren't long enough because, you know, normally you'd get that. And when he, and when he does throw to first base, he, he throws the third base, like Fred Flintstone starts his car, you know, <laughs> like, like he's got to take like five steps to get that thing going. And uh, you almost can hear the cartoon sound of the, of the pitter patter of feet. Um, it's, it's comical. Um, yeah, I understand. I don't know what they're trying to do, whether they're trying to up his trade value, but Nick Madrigal, besides having the, the pedigree of a first round pick picked what fourth overall, something like that, fourth or fifth for somebody like that. They just give chance after chance after chance, but like the, it doesn't pass the eyeball test in any way, shape or form. He is batting 300, but it's pretty much all singles. I mean, it doesn't slug at all. And, um, and so you, could you use that dude off a bench as a utility infielder to spell somebody else? He reminds me of Tommy LaStella who also didn't play every day. And when he did, he broke his leg <laughs> so uh, and hit 50 home runs or something. Um, but um, Nick Madrigal's not that guy. And I don't know. It's frustrating when you, like Patrick Wisdom hits home runs on Saturday, bench Sunday. Yeah. And Nick Madrigal's out there. And then you have the error on Nick Madrigal and right away. And then the game gets blown off and not open out of hand. I'm like, is, is this Ross's decision to put him out there? Or is this coming down from on high being like, oh, we need to up his trade value. Like, is there something go like, I don't understand. The fans don't understand it. That's for sure. 
No, I'm totally with you there. And and the part that's weird about it is, as you were saying, Patrick Wisdom is like on the bench with all of the power that the Cubs need and a real third base defensive capability. And the thing with Nick Madrigal, it's not that you can't have him on your team and have him be productive. He's hitting 286, 333, 357. The WRC plus is low. It's only 87 because it's a lot of singles, but he only strikes out 6.7% of the time. That is a dude that lots of teams would be interested in having on their team. The problem is that the Chicago Cubs already employ a dude who does all that. His name is Nico Horner, and he's batting 306, 324, 361 with a WRC plus of 84. They're only There's only one second base spot on the team. So they're trying to shoehorn two second basemen who are like 300-ish hitting, low strikeout singles guys onto the same team. And in doing that, you're necessarily making yourself worse because you're not giving a Patrick Wisdom or an Edwin Rios the chance to play third base, and they are legit corner infielders. Right, and then when Rios, who was the DH yesterday, came out, I mean, he hit a home run. So, And that's what you were lacking on the team is the power. Patrick Wisdom didn't start. You put Mancini out there, who I don't think I want to see too much, too many more non-right fielders play right field because we've seen a little bit of it with Mastropodi and then Mancini yesterday doing it. And Wrigley's a tough right field to play. It is. And, and that's where the sun sets right into your eyes, especially on these earlier games where it, it the sun is setting a little bit earlier on the 120 starts. And – uh, anyway, it just hasn't gone well out there. We're waiting for Saya to get back, and the good news is he looks close. He's already playing the rehab games, but yeah, I mean, come on, it's like you just you can't just throw anybody out into right. Like you can do that in left field. I'd sooner like move Ian Hap because at least he knows kind of what's up. You know what I mean? Like figure it out that or or move Bellinger. He plays. He's a Gold Glove center fielder. Well, then like, we don't have a center fielder out. though. <laughs> Well, then you move, I don't know, do something else, move half. I mean, the other thing that you could do is you you break, you should have broken camp with Velasquez and somebody like Miles Mastromoni should never have been on the team because he has come up here and done nothing. Yeah, nothing. we're going to talk about Miles Mastromoni has a starring role in the Cubs cold bat section in the section, second half of the show. So you will not want to miss that one at all. From sort of a meta perspective, I mean, it's great that the Cubs won two out of three here. I will say a couple of things. I finally got back to Wrigley Field, this homestand. Uh, I was out of town for the first one, as we talked about last time. The crowds were very light, given the weather and the holiday. When you are only selling 28, 29,000 tickets at Wrigley on a 70 degree Easter Sunday, something is wrong. I don't know if it's because it's the Rangers and they're like an out of division team and people just weren't that thrilled about it. I don't know if people just had better things to do. That should be a sold out day at the ballpark. And it was not a sold out day at the ballpark. There were about twelve to 15,000 people who could have come to that game yesterday who made other plans. So something is wrong in terms of the way fans are engaging or not with the team that Jed Hoyer has put together. Danny, what do you think of the crowd so far at Wrigley? Well, absolutely. I think ex what you just said makes is a result of all the things that you just said. And well, and I'll add one thing to it. Sat there with my mom and we heard the starting lineups and there were th two people, Horner and Hap, who were on the team last year. Everybody Jan Gomes. else. Don't forget Jan Gomes. Oh, yeah, but Jan Gomes didn't start. 
I'm Matt, I'm joking. Barn, He's not Wilson 1.0 on right. right yeah, 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 I know. But Barnhart started, even if it was Jan Gomes, you know, she wouldn't have necessarily known Jan Gomes either. You know, like he was like, Madrigal started, but Madrigal, it's hard to remember he's on the team. Yeah, yeah. She didn't really know Madrigal. You know, like he didn't play much last Neither year. Neither do he I. Was, yeah, exactly. I mean, so, but it's it's mostly new guys, especially the pitcher. So she's sitting there trying to remember these dudes' names. She's like, oh, I should remember this. And I should remember this guy. And I'm like, don't get too used to it. They're not around. Two. These are all one-year deals, you know, except for Tyone, unfortunately. But um, it's uh, – but I, I'm like, don't get used to it because they all – they're placeholders is what they are. This is a placeholder team that's meant to go 500 to sell you $30 beer bats. That's it. That's all they're here that's to it. do. And and so if you look at the I saw you have a note in here about the concession prices. Absolutely out of control. Ten it's ten dollars. Here, if you, I went up to the hot dog stand and we didn't go to hot dogs, we went to the other one. Because my mom wanted a Chicago dog. Now, when you say uh it says Chicago dog and it's ten dollars for this thing, so you think that they're gonna do it up for you for ten bucks. No, no, you buy uh, basically a hot dog and a bun that's already falling apart and you stand in line for another. I mean, we were in line as people sweat, splattered ketchup and mustard all over their dogs. And, you know, we were in line for a good 10 minutes to wait to put condiments on our hot dogs on a day that was not crowded. Oh, like Danny, the concession situation is out of control. Look, I, I am a creature of habit at Wrigley Field. I go to the game. I get myself a can of rosé don't don't laugh laugh at me people it's very good it's like a little bubbly can of babe rosé and i usually if i'm in the bleachers i get that downstairs if i'm go if i'm not in the bleachers if i'm in the grandstand i go to my guy like he's right at the top of the gallagher way side of things we say hi to each other it's like a whole ritual thing that can of rosé last year was eight or nine dollars plus the tip right that can is now 12.49 that is an increase of like close to 30 percent and it is not the only thing that's been increased 30%. So I go to get my pull of sausage, like at the same area that's in the grandstand area. And admittedly, this one's a little bit tougher because that pull of sausage used to be like seven, eight dollars. It's now $12.99 too, but it's a foot long. So I'm, I'm kind of confused, like as far, like it's obviously a bigger sausage, but it's also, it's also like $13 instead of eight. The odds of me eating food at Wrigley this season have, have plummeted dramatically i used to be like i'll get a second glass of wine in the fourth inning that'll be great nope not doing it anymore because i'm not paying 18 dollars for twice (laughs) for these little cans of rosé like that's insane i'm not doing it i will bring myself a water to the park and like also get my one can of rosé i'm a one rosé girl at a ballpark now (laughs) and they don't take cash anymore so they just really are kind of banking on the fact that you know you're you go to the let's say you go to the game with three of your buddies and then the vendor comes by and he's like we're like yeah i'll buy around four beers that's 75 dollars okay so you're gonna tap it it did not used to be it used to be like 40 yeah yeah so the the prices have really doubled and and now it's getting to like where la is and stuff like that well if if you're gonna charge la prices in wrigley field well we better be in an uh, otani that's all I'm saying, because, you know, there's there's they say they're saving money up for something great to happen for us. But we just keep paying more and more and less and less is being given to us. But um, 
Yeah, the the prices are are super high, and those thirty dollar um, beer bats. I don't even think they add up to two beers. No, I mean I don't even know what's. Those are a novelty item. I will never buy one. But like, it's like Disney. yeah, thirty bucks for one of those things is out of control. The other thing that I will say about the concession pricing issue, and look, I understand why they did this, and obviously it was deliberate. But I just want to call out bad behavior. The Cubs put out a press release when they slashed season ticket holder prices fifteen percent as if they wanted to be like patted on the back for like slashing season ticket holder prices 15%. And they did it acknowledging that the team hadn't been as competitive in recent years and trying to like welcome fans back to the ballpark, whatever. They just shadow raised every other price in the ballpark 25 to 30% and didn't tell anyone, right? Like that was not an announced thing. There was no press release (laughs) about it. They just like did it. And they're hope. I don't know if they're hoping we won't write about it. I don't know if they're hoping we didn't notice. I, I honestly don't know, but I was, I was shocked when I went to my first concession stand at Wrigley and I haven't even really had a chance to walk around and compare all the prices, like to see if there's a non foot long Polish sausage offering in the, in the park, because I don't want to miss an inning and a half walking around the baseball park. So I, you just, you know, you just kind of like run up to the concession stand and get what you can get and then run back to your seat. Um, but I, it's pretty appalling. You need to do a better job on the field if you're going to charge 25 to 30% more for literally everything that is in the ballpark right now. Well, and you said that attendance is down, and it it did certainly seem that way. Easter Sunday, beautiful day tonight, a beautiful night. Tickets are $5 to go, but it's not $5 because if you want to go and have a beer, it's actually $25, you know, and then if you want to have a beer and a hot dog, you know, it's $35. And if you want to have two beer, you know, it just goes on. Meanwhile, the Cincinnati Reds last Tuesday, they have a three, two, one deal, $3 Budweiser, $2 hot dogs, $1 popcorn or something like that. But it is $3 beer night. And that's to get people out on a Tuesday night. Cubs. I just got a slew of emails from all the emails. I subscribed to the Cubs on about it's student night. So they're <laughs> like, Oh, it's $12 students. Come on in. Well, guess what? On seat geek, it's five. Five. So you can't, I mean, it's your deal isn't even a deal. <laughs> you know? Oh, well, I don't know about you, but the seats that we got for like the, the batting practice day, playing open play for opening day thing. Mine are oh, tonight. My, mine are tonight for the Mariners games. I'm going with our friend, Ken Schultz, a writer at baseball prospectus and at Outsports, And my tickets are in the lower bowl. My ticket. So when I got free tickets last year from the Cubs for the race to Wrigley, they were in the 200s, like 15th, 16th row. They were great seats. Those are fine seats. I get them all the time. Now, free tickets from the Cubs are in section 129, row eight. How can they be comping tickets in the lower bowl, Danny? They're not selling those seats. Sarah, I got the same ones and mine are for tomorrow night. And I believe I'm in section 106. So yeah, same thing. I, I'm I'm in the lower bowl. That's free tickets from the Cubs being like, nobody wants to see the Cubs and Mariners. I, yeah. 106 row 11 seat 13. So um, and let me know if you need a date. I'm, I'm free tomorrow night. Yeah. I already invited my friend Alan, but, uh, but if he doesn't want to come, he's starting a new job. He said he might not want to come. So if he doesn't want to come, the ticket is yours, but <laughs> just um, like inviting myself out with Danny. No, I mean, no, I, but you're absolutely going to have the ticket, but Um, the other thing that you said that I, that rung true to me too, is that nobody cares about the Rangers and nobody cares about the Mariners and nobody cares about our team. So the thing about my mom, knowing, not, not knowing any of these players and they're not even going to be around that long. And, uh, you know, that's one thing, but the Rangers, like 
we now we get to see everybody once a year. Do you think that's going to make me like know who's on the Rangers? No, I'm going to see the Rangers one time. It's going to be in April. And I'd be like, oh, they got this guy. They got Corey Seager. I remember when he was a Dodger. Like, you know, th- like that's my thought process. That's most people's thought process. You know, I know Rise of Fantasy. There's something to be said about Mike Trout coming and Otani coming. Uh, although he's not, they're not coming here. We're going there next week. Not next week, uh, next month, I believe. Sometime this year we're going. Anyhow, nobody cares about the Rangers. That's what I'm saying. Nobody cares. Like, it's, we're, we're not rivals in any way. I mean, I'd rather the Brewers come in one more time, like they used to, and then I care about that game a lot more. Milwaukee fans care. They come down. And it, and they were jousting in each other with beer bats, like you know. I mean, nobody can like the Rangers. Like I saw a few Rangers fans there. You know, probably had a great time. Oh, I always wanted to go to Wrigley. Finally got to see Wrigley. I saw a couple Rangers fans. I'm sure it was great for them. You know, to to come up and see. But it's better for them than it is for us. Like we don't care about your stupid team. We don't. Oh. And we're going to talk about the Mariners on the flip side, who I think are actually a really interesting baseball club from like a, I like young stars and the Mariners are good and interesting and we should care about them more. But you're absolutely right. The Cubs fans have no reason to care about the Rangers or the Mariners or the Athletics or about half of the other teams that are going to be coming through Wrigley Field. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors. On the flip side, we'll talk more about why Cubs fans just do not care about the Rangers. We will also talk about the Mariners who are coming to town and you should care about them, but I will understand if you don't, but first a quick break. <laughs> hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas city, go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. All right, we're back. I mean, the Rangers thing was interesting to me. So I I saw the Rangers four times in the last week. I happened to be in Dallas for work and I went to Globe Life Field when the Rangers were playing the Orioles to check that park off the old bucket list. Uh, And then I saw the Rangers at Wrigley. And so Friday is my first day at Wrigley Field, and I'm, I'm excited about it. Like, I want to see the park, and I want to see my friends, and I baseball in the afternoon is good. But that night, I'm sitting on my couch, and the Brewers and Cardinals are on, and I was more interested in the Brewers-Cardinals game than I was the literal Cubs game that I went to in person earlier that day because the Brewers-Cardinals game has all sorts of things I'm interested in. It's got the Contreras hugging each other before the game, and you got – you know, like some rivalry stuff going on with the Brewers and the Cardinals. You got Jordan Walker, who I'm really interested in. You got Garrett Mitchell, who I'm really interested in. And I'm like, I just cannot get that worked up for Marcus Simeon. I like Marcus Simeon. He is a good player. Like, I, there is nothing about him playing against the Chicago Cubs that was nearly as exciting as watching Wilson and William Contreras try to one-up each other. There are very few players in the major leagues that you're going to go out of your way to specifically see that player. Like Aaron Judge, Yankees come to Wrigley, everybody's going to want to go see Aaron Judge because, you know, he hit, he's giant and he hits lots of home runs. You know, Otani, Trout, I think those are like, there's maybe 10 players, maybe not even that many that you would go out of your way to see. And some of them are pitchers. So you have to get lucky that they're even, and they're starting pitchers. Like you'd want to go see 
Scherzer. Oh, Scherzer's on the mound. You're going to go see that, you know, really top Otani pitching, I think would be excellent. It'd be a big draw at Wrigley, but you know, there's not a lot of players like that. So the novelty of a team coming through, you know, like the Rays or <laughs> the A's or, you know, nobody who cares, like especially AL stuff, because if you're a National League fan and they're kind of getting rid of the leagues, that much is obvious. Now we got the DH. Now everybody plays by the same rules. And, you know, so there really isn't much difference between the leagues. Um, we play each other all the time now. There's always a interleague game going on every single day. There's really no novelty to it whatsoever. And it's kind of special when a team comes to your city once every five years, six years, or even three years. But it's not very novel when it's happening every year, every other year. So it's not going to have that same kind of draw. You're like, oh, who's in town? Oh, the Blue Jays? Well, <laughs> guess guess this place is going to be full of a bunch of nice people this weekend because the Canadians are in town. We're going to have a bunch of, bunch of drunk, nice Blue Jays fans being nice and saying I mean, A. I like the Blue Jays. Vladdy Toe is interesting to me. He's one of those Absolutely. 10 players I would go see. But you're absolutely right about how this is going to break down for most fans. And and. In stunning news, one of those teams is headed to Wrigley tonight. Uh, it is the Seattle Mariners, who again, like you should be excited about them. Their pitching is really good. Um, some of the some of these guys we've seen before, though, Luis Castillo, who we saw a bunch with the Reds, is now pitching for the Mariners. Julio Rodriguez is a stud. I'm very excited to watch him play. But honestly, like it's not that shocking that these games are not selling out. Like, oh, I I for one am stunned that Cubs Mariners in April on a weeknight is not a huge draw. Uh, the probable pitchers for these matchups, yeah, like I said, Luis Castillo will be pitching Monday night tonight against Drew Smiley, Chris Flexen versus Hayden Wisniewski on Tuesday, and then Logan Gilbert versus Marcus Stroman on Wednesday for the finale of the series. Danny, what do you see in these pitching matchups? Well, I've never heard of Flexen and Gilbert. And uh, Castillo, though we saw a bunch with the Reds, uh, for Smiley, I mean... It hasn't been good so far, and I, you know, he was just kind of like inked into the fourth spot of the rotation instead of somebody like Javier Assad, who had a rough, has been rough out of the bullpen so far this year. Um, maybe it's because he misses being a starter. I don't know, but um, yeah, Smiley, you're just kind of hoping he's going to write the ship. It's nice to have you know the lefty action, the two lefties in your rotation. That's a great thing because you certainly don't have one of the bullpen. Um, was Nesky, you know, you just kind of want to, he, he wasn't as good last time out, but I'm super excited about him. And then you got Stroh again, who's just been lights out this year. So, um, I will be at the Tuesday and Wednesday game. So I guess I'm going to learn who Flexen and Gilbert are. Do you know who they are? <laughs> I mean, Logan Gilbert's on a bunch of my fantasy teams. I like him a lot. He's kind of a pitch to contact type of guy, but really effective. Um, he, he, you know, he, he would fit right in, in the Cubs rotation. Let me put it that way. Uh, Chris Flexen is another sort of like mid tier starter. He's been better than he's been better than, um, a lot of these other guys. I don't know how he's done this season though. So far, hold please. I know a I'm, lot of guys I'm, I'm have struggled. What was that? I'm looking at it right now in two yeah, games. It looks like he's been okay. A lot of guys yeah. have struggled in the early going. It seems like, uh, the bouncy ball it might be back, and there's been a bit of a power surge across the league. And so unclear how much of that is due to weather and how much of that is due to the baseball. But it doesn't look like any of these Mariners pitchers have been impacted by it. This is the top of the Mariners rotation. This Mariners team is very good. So I'm excited to see 
what they can do. I, I think that this could cool off the Cubs hot pats a bit. Not going to lie. Uh, can I tell you the story of like a really weird line for a guy named Penn Murphy out of their pen? Sure. Um, so Penn, Penn from the pen. His, what a name, right? Penn Murphy. Anyway, he's been in seven games this year so far, and he's pitched five innings. He's only given up one hit. In fact, hitters are batting .063 against him. But his five walks um, uh, has have allowed three runs, none of them earned. And because of that, he's taken two losses. So he's got two decisions already and a win. So he's got three decisions already in only in seven of his games. That's weird for a reliever to have that many decisions this early in the season. Um, So, yeah, so weird things are happening with the Mariners and they're not winning probably as much as they think they probably think they should have this year. So, yeah, that's. That's a really good observation, um, particularly on the weird stat lines early, man. I tweeted one yesterday. There was a moment in yesterday's game where Jamison Tyon had a higher ERA than a K per nine. Just by, It was a fluke, man. It's just like yeah. one of those small sample size noise type of things. But his I ERA was like 6.75 and his K per nine was like 5.06. And you would, you would like those two numbers to be reversed at all times. Um, Speaking of some hot bats that the Mariners pitching will try to cool off, the, the Cubs still have the same three guys who are red hot. Ian Happ, 370, 528, 593 with a WRC plus of 200. Patrick Wisdom, 320, 370, 760 with a WRC plus of 190. Although it is worth noting with Mr. Wisdom that when we recorded last week, his K percent was down in like the 16.7% range and it's back up to 33.3%. That's, that's some small sample size stuff, but you'd like to see him get that K rate down a bit. Dansby Swanson, still hot, 375, 459, 438 with a WRC plus of 148. And those are by far the three best hitters on the Cubs. What do you see in these hot bats, Danny? Yeah, I mean, it's ha- half the guys are great and half the guys are terrible. That's kind of what I was saying at the beginning. It's like it's it's feast or famine with the lineup. Like the first four dudes in the lineup are just awesome. You're like, oh, we got a chance. And then it just kind of falls. Like you ever see that that graphic of like like the – somebody's dr- like drawing a horse then yeah. the horse's mane and the head are just beautiful and then it turns into like a two-year-old's drawing by the back end of the horse that's kind of how i feel about the cubs lineup right now so all the bats you mentioned are incredible but you know some of the other ones not so much that's a really great analogy and speaking of the back end of the cubs lineup david ross did something on sunday that i do not understand even a little bit at all so i can understand why you might want nick madrigal and his 286 average in the lineup. I can even understand why you would want it at the end of the lineup so that you can kind of basically stack a number nine hitter into the one, two, three at the top. And you have like Nick Madrigal hitting 286, followed by Nico Horner hitting 306, followed by Dansby, Hap, et cetera, right? What I cannot understand at all is what they did on Sunday where Madrigal is hitting eighth, followed by Tucker Barnhart hitting ninth. It's like you go from... Your 300 hitter to an automatic out to the top of your lineup. What are we doing? I mean, you got to hit him somewhere. I don't know. Maybe that's like when Joe Madden used to bat the pitcher eighth. I don't know, man. I <laughs> or, no, no, that was the Yeah, I don't. Uh, Mar- I don't get it. I missed. I missed the pitcher hitting personally. <laughs> Might as well. These guys are no better. <laughs> you know? You're not wrong in some instances. Uh, the Mariners have some hot bats too. AJ Pollock who's playing about half the time right now. It looks like a platoon situation. 
the average won't jump out at you. He's batting 214, 353, 643 with a WRC plus of 174. He's just getting on base and creating a ton of runs. So that's something to keep an eye on in platoon situations. Ty France uh, slashing 326, 383, 512 with a WRC plus of 157. Julio Rodriguez, who I mentioned before, I'm really excited to see batting 283, 327, 500 with a WRC plus of 133. And our old friend from the Reds, Eugenio Suarez, uh, Slashing 357, 372, 429 with a WRC plus of 131 on the young season. Yeah, they got some bats. I mean, they surprised last year. I mean, AOS was tough with the Astros. And, um, you know, it actually seems a little to be getting tougher because the Rangers are no slouches either. Well, they've spent a lot of money anyway. And the Angels should be good. And the Angels should, should be good, but somehow never are. That's like... Uh, two best players in the world can't get it done. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, yeah, the Mariners, they got, they got all the old reds, anybody that had any power on the reds that they, when they sold off, they all went to the Mariners, including tonight's starting pitcher. And, um, I mean, it's not going to be easy to get through this lineup. I mean, I think they're off to a weird start. I think it's kind of weird to just kind of get the season going. I think for some teams, it that's kind yeah. of the good thing about facing some of these guys early, as well. You know that you you get to these dudes early, and uh, you get to the Dodgers early, you get the Padres early, and maybe they just don't have it together yet. And you can steal a few wins. Like, you know, I I don't think we were supposed to beat the Rangers two or three, but we did. Yeah, and they're done now. So you don't have to see them anymore. Uh, some guys who need to improve to get the Cubs some more W's at the back end of the rotation. And all of these guys, with the exception of one, I, I limited them to at least having at least 15 plate appearances. Miles Masterboni has 14, and we just have to talk about it. Um, Cody Bellinger is slashing 167, 265, 267 with a WRC plus of 48. So any hopes and dreams I had about the Cubs magically fixing Cody Bellinger are, are dying fast. Uh, Jan Gomes, not Wilson, number one. Not Wilson number one is slashing 118, 111, 294 with a WRC plus of negative seven. And I just want to, there was a moment on Twitter earlier this week where Tucker Barnhart hit a home run and someone who shall not be named posted that the Barnhart-Gomes combination had more home runs than Wilson Contreras. And I just need all of you to go look at Wilson Contreras' baseball savant page because that dude is raking and his framing is in the 80th percentile now. Meanwhile, we're running out Jan Gomes and his WRC plus of negative seven. Like he's going to need 40 home runs to get out of that hole. Uh, and then Miles Mastroboni slashing 143, 143, 143, which I guess I like the symmetry, but man, that is hard to do. His WRC plus is negative 29 and he cannot play right field. So congratulations for keeping Miles Mastroboni here, Jed. Yeah. Yeah. No, he, I hope he's the first guy out when Saya comes back. Uh, he should be anyway, but I don't have too much hopes that he will be because they see something in the advanced stats that even made him be here at all because he has three options. So there's no reason that you were trying to not waste one of those. Um, the sad news about Bellinger I had because I looked this up the other day because I'm like, oh, maybe he's a slow starter. Nope. He's actually best in April. Now, usually that's been a Los Angeles April for him, and that's way different than a Chicago April, but it's been nice here for the most part. But, yeah, he usually is a quick starter, and then, in fact, like much better in April than just about any other time in his – and this is all across his career. So, um, 
I yeah, my hopes are going away that they fixed him too. Um, and uh, they sh- just should have kept Hayward. <laughs> I guess Jason well. Hayward's doing just fine with the Dodgers, but we we'll talk about that in the Dodgers preview, which is coming up shortly. Uh, Mariners cold bats, one that it might surprise people a little bit. Teoscar Hernandez, who's been an absolute beast the last couple of years for the Blue Jays. And I wonder how much of this is park effects. We saw Jesse Winker go from Great American Ballpark to T-Mobile Park, and he sort of struggled. Teoscar Hernandez has struggled a bit with the Mariners. So far, he's slashing 184, 262, 395 with a WRC plus of 86. He did have a two-home run game the other day, though, so maybe he's bouncing out of it a little bit. J.P. Crawford is slashing 212, 316, 303 with a WRC plus of 84. And our old friend, Colton Wong. Colton Wong is slashing 074-212-074 with a WRC plus of negative four. Uh, the only reason he is not the worst bat on this list is because Miles Mastroboni exists. <laughs> well, it's just good bat NL Central anymore, Colton. <laughs> you know, like with numbers like that, I wish we were facing him more, but at least we get to face him uh, tonight, the next couple well, nights. Maybe- Maybe he just misses Wrigley Field. He's going to he's gonna get hot again. Oh, God. Well, it's true. Like, there is a school of thought that says that anybody coming in hot, just in the law of averages, is going to get cold at some point and vice versa. So I think you just hit the nail on the head right there, Sarah. <laughs> it's going to be a Colton Wong uh, weekday series. Col- Colton Wong, our pick to click here on Cup of Cubby Blue. Danny, where can people find you and your takes about this Mariners series as the games get started tonight at Wrigley Field? Yeah, well, we'll be partying on Wednesday night with the Sunranto show at 8 p.m. on all our social media networks. Um, and uh, other than that, I'll be over at Wrigley Field Tuesday and Wednesday. So, you know, if you're around, come say hi. You can buy me a buy me a thirty dollar beer bat that I will <laughs> gladly accept and then joust you with. beer bats for Danny mean that you get a chance to jest him. All you need is a beer bat of your own. So you're out 60 bucks, but you get to beer bat joust with Danny at the friendly confines. You can find me at at BCB underscore Sarah. I will be at Wrigley Field as much as possible before I head to New York City for work later this week. Uh, We will be back here on Cubba Cubby Blue on Thursday previewing the Cubs Dodgers after this one, right? You go from the Mariners to the Dodgers, I believe. And and, God, I, I hope that whatever happens against the Mariners leaves me some room for hope and optimism as the Cubs go to LA to face the Dodgers, but we'll see. Uh, Until next time, have a good one.